0: Welcome into the pro football show for Wednesday, June 10th, as we are um, here to talk a little bit about uh, some of the latest news and notes from around the league, but we're going to get into some quarterbacks that are, I wouldn't say under the gun, but certainly some guys that are much is going to be expected from, and it's a, every much is expected of every quarterback but just some guys that I wanted to spotlight for different reasons. We're going to get into that well as some latest transaction news and discussions around the league. talk a little bit about uh, Atlanta uh, and their plans for Hayden Hurst, uh, a little bit of peek into the Saints. Um, what is Dalvin Cook looking for in Minnesota? And check in with the Seahawks, Eagles. So we've got a few things to get into, but I uh, want to remind you, and you got a couple of questions that we're going to get to as well. I want to remind you about our great friends at 401k generation that brings you this podcast each and every day. Um, Anything to do with financial planning, uh, investment inquiries, money management, anything to do with improving your financial goals and plans. That's what they can help you do. They're experts in financial planning. So give them a call. Uh, Give them a, you know, a text today, no obligation. Okay, here's the deal. They're licensed in all 50 states. There's no obligation to give them a call to learn about what they do. You can learn a little bit more at LandryFootball.com uh, by checking out what it is that they do. So, um, great opportunity there. So, uh, license in all 50 states. Give them a call. Give them a text at one um, want to also remind you, that uh, you can sign up for Landry Football's conference call um, to make sure that you get this podcast to your cell phone. That's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can sign up to make sure it goes directly to your phone. So um, that is um, the best way to get it. You can also get it over at LandryFootball.com as well. Speaking of LandryFootball.com, want to take advantage of the scouting season offer. And make sure uh, it is um, for less than $5 a month. And you, you can get a peek behind the curtain. A look inside the game of football from a coaching and scouting perspective. So uh, it uh, from draft boards to recruiting boards, uh, we've got a lot of stuff for you uh, that we provide uh, unique information. So you want to make sure that you're checking it out over at LandryFootball.com to augment listening to this podcast. So, what is, uh, just a couple of notes, um, the Lions have signed uh, Julian Acquara, uh their third-round pick. I wanted to talk a little bit about him. Uh, obviously, he joins his older brother, Romeo, on the Lions staff, but um, Acquara can really move. He's 6'4", he's 255. Um, he's, uh, you know, he, he was running even a little bit faster prior to his broken fibula, suffered late in the nineteen season. But his top-edge speed, he's got – really good strength um he's got some bull rush in his game um he's got long arms uh you know he's a guy that's a little bit more athletic than his production would indicate you'd think he would have had a little bit more success there um but the guy can i think win as a rusher onto the next level um i think the future's Really bright for the young guy. He can be a physical pass rusher. Uh, he's going to compete opposite Trey Flowers from day one, um, and uh, give the give the line some improvement there, some competition and some help there. So uh, no no surprise they got a deal done. All these contracts are coming in, but always like to take the time when guys sign to kind of give another chance to look back and see how he may fit in with the team. The Falcons. Um, Got Todd Gurley's physical, got him passed, um, and it's uh, nearly two months after the fact. It's no, it's a, he's officially earned the five point five million dollars signing bonus. Um, no surprise there, but that's officially in the books. For I think a couple of people have asked me about that, and as I said, it was only a matter of time. Well, it's officially done. More importantly, because that was coming, is. Examining a little bit what Hayden Hurst brings to this offense. And, you know, really studying Hurst and through this whole process, the guy is very athletic and could probably do things, at least they hope to in Atlanta, do things athletically that they've not had in a while. Now, they've had Austin Hooper and they had Tony Gonzalez. We know the stories there. But Matt Ryan has been very successful when he's had tight ends. Um, In 12 seasons, uh, tight ends have produced seven 70-catch campaigns. So that's a little bit of a tip for you fantasy goers, but it's a tip to what I think that Matt Ryan ideally would like to work. And look, the tight ends with those receivers, that's the reason why those tight ends have such success. They get such favorable coverage matchups because of what they've had at receiver during the Matt Ryan era. This guy, he's got a chance to be very, very underrated. That's why they wanted to bring in him and athletically create a a mismatch down the scene. Uh, Visiting with the Saints, you know, trying to figure out some things in the secondary for them. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's going to, spent a lot of time covering the slot. Now, they'll continue to cross-train all those guys. He notably permitted 16 catches for 158 yards and two touchdowns on 27 targets in coverage from the slot as a rookie. Uh, Even though he's got formidable experience stemming from his 26 starts at Florida, he profiles much better at the position than than the current nickel corner, uh, P.J. Williams. Um, He's got some speed, um... He's a plus tackler, and he's got the ability to cover receiving threats down the middle of the field. So, you know, I think a lot of the issues with him is being able to stay on top of routes and understanding uh, a little bit better of route concepts will will certainly help him going forward. Um, So look for some improvements there. I... Talked a little bit about Dalvin Cook yesterday and where he stands in terms of what his desires are, hopes are, in terms of a contract. He said he's not going to participate in any team activities until he sees a, a new contract. He's entering the final year of his four-year rookie deal, scheduled to make over $2 million in 2020. While the Vikings traded Stephon Diggs this offseason, they did hand Kirk Cousins a contract extension with a lot of guaranteed money, over $60 million guaranteed its signing, provided he meets all those incentives, all those um, points in the contract. This certainly, is, from my understanding, has an impact on what Dalvin Cook is thinking. Hey, look, I'm not going to get that, but I need more than what I got. Now, they've not spoken since last week, neither side. Um, He's seeking... in the neighborhood of about 13 million per year. Um between 13 and 16. You look at Christian McCaffrey's recent extension, they all work off of previous deals. But I think it's probably going to the asking price will be just under 15. It's what they feel is right. Still more than the 10 million a year that of the initial offer that the Vikings made. Look, um Minnesota signed Stephon Diggs, Xavier Rose, Everson Griffin, and Linville Joseph to extensions on the eve of camp in recent years. So there's a possibility. Um, I don't know that he's going to set out the entire season. That's what his threat's going to be. And avoid playing during the final year of his rookie deal. Um, he'd be a restricted free agent rather than an unrestricted free agent. So so keep that in mind. Um So it it, it doesn't benefit him to do that. But may sit out all of training camp. It is always a difficult process because you're dealing with a player wanting to get his second contract, which is not a given at any position, certainly not at running back. But getting that contract now certainly provides some security. Um, but it's difficult to do. From the Vikings' standpoint, when Dalvin Cook is healthy, he is a blue-graded running back and one of the very best in this league. But durability's been an issue. Uh, injuries have been an issue with him. So that is a risk that you got to be willing to take if you're going to go down that path. So uh, we'll see how this plays out, um, if they can get a deal done, and how he plays it but I don't expect him to sit out the entire year. It would would limit his free agency at the end of next year. The Seahawks, uh, how does Freddie Swain, they signed their six-round pick, Freddie Swain, a couple of days ago. Um, you know, I was really doing a little work on the Seattle's receivers. Tyler Lockett and D.J. Metcalf, Philip Dorsett, David Moore um, with um, seventh-round Uh, John Ursa and Swain competing for playing time. Um, Carlos Hyde, um, uh, you know, has joined them. But that receiving core, you wonder a little about where that depth is, where that fourth guy is. You know, you you wonder where the quality is going to come from one of those guys. A little bit concerned there. Also, where is things going to go at the running back position? You know about the injuries last year. Uh, Chris Carson's the starter, Carlos Hyde's coming in, Uh, Rashad Penny's in the mix, but not early because he's going to start on uh, probably PUP, Uh, Carson's status isn't all that clear, he's coming off a hip, so there's a lot of uncertainty there, and I don't know that they're done, um, but it's still a problem, it was a problem last year that just hadn't been ideally um, addressed or... Certainly not fixed to this stage. Deshaun Jackson uh, over in in uh, Philadelphia is expected to be the Eagles' top receiving threat in 2020. Can he stay healthy? Uh, but I think as they seek out and try to improve that receiving court, he's going to be a part of it. Um, they put all of their eggs in his basket in the 19th season in terms of filling their vertical playmaking ability and – the first game was outstanding. Remember that eight, eight, nine catches, over 150 yards, two touchdowns. Then the injuries destroyed the rest of the season for Jackson. And then Philadelphia obviously values what he can bring to the table. But they've added Jalen Rager, Marquise Goodwin. Jackson can stay healthy as a great shot of being tremendous value there for you fantasy goers and certainly um, the potential to really improve their playmaking skills in Philadelphia. Um, what about some quarterbacks that, you know, they're, it, it's it's certainly about the franchise quarterbacks. You either have one or you don't. And and there's some that we don't know if they're franchise quarterbacks yet. But certainly you look at – I want to look at some key guys that, for different reasons, that I think need to be spotlighted. And they're not the only ones. It's not the complete list. So don't say, well, why didn't you? Just picked out a few. Some things that come to mind. Now, depending on how these quarterbacks perform, each of these teams has a shot at having a really good season. If they don't play really well, it's a problem. Well, you can say that about every quarterback. True. But these are guys that could go either way. Whereas I don't really think that the performance of Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, I I think we know that – the chances of those – Patrick Mahomes, on and on. Those guys' chances of having good season are pretty doggone gut. Okay? Um. But these guys, not sure. What about Drew Locke in Denver? He's got five starts. Okay, second-round pick out of Missouri. He showed promise with strong performances and limited action. Um, you know, they played well when he was in. They've upgraded this offseason, Denver did, their offensive line, their backfield, and the receiving core through free agency in the draft. They, they've they added Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. So they've got a skill position group to work with. The defense is good. So protect the football. Make good decisions. Um, we'll see. You know, uh, it, it's it's – Going to be looked at. You know how this plays in Denver with John Elway. If it doesn't work, it's not his fault. If it works, he takes all the credit. Um. He, he, you know, it's 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 going to be really. You know, got a veteran quarterback coach to come in and work with him. Um. So, you know, I think all those things point to at least an emphasis on we got to get this guy right. How about Buffalo? Could be, maybe, the favorites in the AFC East. Can you believe anybody would even consider that? They've built a really good roster in Buffalo. The defense is one of the most formidable in the NFL. Secondary is just outstanding. Um, how long can you keep it together? That's the question that everybody has to ask. They made a big play this offseason to bolster the receiving core. They added Stephon Diggs. They've added uh, running back Zach Moss to a group with Devin Singletary and T.J. Yeldon. They went 10-6 and six last year. They're in the fifth seed in the AFC. New England looking less and less threatening. The Bills have a chance to establish themselves in the AFC East. So if Josh Allen continues to develop, He's got to improve his accuracy. It's the biggest concern with him. And he meshes well and can get the ball up to, to digs. Um look out. This team could really take that next step. If it doesn't, you know, who knows? Could be could be a, a nine and seven, 10 and six type season, which would be hugely disappointment pointing for him. But it depends on, you know, it, it falls on Josh Allen how well he plays, just like just mentioned with Drew Locke. That's why we're mentioning him. What about Jared Goff with the Rams? They let a lot of good talent go this offseason. They're now counting on Goff to do more and do things that he has not been asked to do to this point. He's, um, during the eighteen season, went to the Super Bowl, Goff completed 65% of his passes. You know, 4,600-plus yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 picks. Last year, regressed on all four categories. Okay? The significant decrease in touchdowns coupled with the spike in turnovers negatively hurt them. If golf can rebound after a difficult year last year, they can get back into the playoffs. Again, good division. Two good teams. Two playoff-caliber teams. So, Denver, the Rams, young quarterbacks, really young in Denver. But Goff is going to have to do a little bit more. Paid him a lot of money. You're not going to be able to surround him with great players over and over and over and over. See what he can do. How about Sam Dono? Is he ready to take the next step in Jets land? Well, like the Bills, the Jets are in a position to get better in the AFC East with Tom Brady now in Tampa. It's his third season for Darnold, and and we'll see what he can do. Now he's when he was healthy. I mean, this team had a winning record, and I know that people are down on Adam Gase. This team had a winning record when he was healthy. Um, he's shown enough talent to get the Jets into playoff contention. Some of his th- throws are elite level. Um. I think the 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 skill set is really good. I, I do think, you know, he's just 23. Um, but they've got a little more questions as a roster around him as opposed to, say, Buffalo. I think Josh Allen is in a better situation. I think the Jets have made improvements. But as a roster – I think they're closer. They're right there with Miami, and Miami's getting better, too. But, I, you know, he's going to really have to carry this team, and I think it's a big, big ask. But plays well. This team had a winning record again last year when he, played, when he was on the field. Let's see if he can stay on the field. If he can, I think we'll see some improvement. And then what about Baker Mayfield in Cleveland? Drafted same year as Donald. They're both first-round picks. Um Browns have more talent. So Mayfield's had a little bit easier go of it than Darnell. Um but Mayfield um has been a little bit more up and down, a little bit more sporadic. Uh the Browns have a really good run game, a very good offensive line, a a really big threat and Chubb. All the things you've got Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, big money you've got some defensive talent all things that the jets don't have the browns do and i know baltimore's really good pittsburgh's going to rebound but but the browns certainly have some talent to start to make some inroads but they're going to need baker to mature and all the things in the offseason indicated that he's it indicates that he's matured but we're not we're not there yet we got to get through it. Um, Richard asks, "What are the advantages and disadvantages of playing in the rain, snow, and windy weather as far as playing conditions?" Um, the wind is the biggest factor. Rain is the ball is slippery. It's harder to grip as a thrower. Bigger the hands, the better you have control of the ball. It's an issue. Snow usually comes with wind. Wind, um, excuse me. Snow is a combination of wet and um, cold. So your hands, um, your 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 a little bit. Hands are a little smaller. They expand more in the heat and ball security there, you know, being able to grip the ball is tougher. That's why bigger hands are important for that position, certain position. So the biggest thing is ball security with rain and snow. The wind is the biggest one because it affects the velocity of the ball and the accuracy of the ball. Um, So, you know, I have really more concerns. If I had of the three, I mean, it is like wind is is far more – detrimental to what you can do. I I was okay. Got a quarterback, throw it, big hands. When it's snowing, I'm throwing. And, you know, I like to throw it when it's raining. I think you got real advantages for the offense. Defensively, it's a disadvantage. You have to mirror what the offense is doing. You're chasing them and planning. Depending on the footing on the field that you're playing in this weather, this is a bigger challenge. So if you have a field that's softer, you the footing is not as good. That's an advantage to the offense. So that's a look there. Uh, Richard said, Dimitri Goodson was promoted to college scout and will scout the Midlands region. Um, what region did you scout when you were in Cleveland and Tennessee? Um, I worked the entire country. I was in a different role. In Cleveland, I started as a coach with Belichick, Pro personnel scout, and then I went out and scouted scouted the top players in the country. At Tennessee, um, I coordinated the whole scouting department. I went through the entire country. Um, So when when I was an area scout, um, our areas were so big. I mean, I had everything from, you know, Midwest, Iowa, all the way down to Texas all the way to Miami, all the way up to Maine, you know, half the country. Um, but I still went out west and cross-checked. So the the regions are usually broken down just that, maybe like the northeast, and depending upon how many scouts you have, northeast may go out as far as, say, Michigan, um, and then stop at, say, Virginia, and then the the south may be more – Kind of the southeast would be maybe South Carolina over to Tennessee on down, and catch the Florida, and then you might have like Southwest. I always tried to to combine my areas for my scouts with you know it's great to the regions. At some point, you got to make a cutoff, but like you know, Texas is always in the Southwest area, but now it makes some sense. To include Texas in your Southeast region, so that you know. So I would like, for example, um, if you if you could cover like a Southeast now, I, I would guide, I would include like Texas and Missouri in it, uh, and in Arkansas as well, which are t- typically again Southwest or Midwest areas. But then I'd include them. If I could, or at least have two guys in it, because I think when you have all the schools in a conference covered, you tend to move no more players. So, let's say if you you're scouting the southeast and you're, you know, you're uh, Tennessee and you're watching their tape against Missouri, you don't know as much about the players at Missouri if they're not in your scouting your uh, scouting area scouting region. So I try to make it, you know. So whereas Missouri would always be in the kind of the Big Eight corridor with Kansas and Nebraska, I try to adjust that a little bit more. So uh, I know that's probably a little bit more than you were looking for. But and what was my scouting evaluation? Here we go, again, Richard. Rache Caldwell, God rest his soul, very good uh, athlete, very good route runner, very good speed. Andre Caldwell was another. A vertical threat that hit really handsy. To Bucky Jones was a tall, angular, free safety with really good instincts. It hit you. So um, that was uh, – that's that there. And um, we're going to get – Kevin, got, I'm going to get to your questions tomorrow. um need to run here a little bit on today's show, but got some questions um, that we'll get to on, uh, on Thursday's show. On the Pro Football Show, so to make sure that you check that out, we'll get to it. Also, a reminder to flip on over to listen to us on the College Show, Big Ten Football and Beyond on Wednesday, Thursday, obviously Big Twelve Football and Beyond. So check us out uh, over there. Remember to check out the great folks at 401k Generation, one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine, the number to call for the latest in. What's going on in the financial world, but more importantly, to get help to reach your financial goals. License in all 50 states 1 866 998 5879. Sign up for this podcast at Landry Football's Conference Call. We've got some great news coming out with some uh, other podcasts we're going to be adding to the mix. So want to make sure that you check that out as well. Uh, also, um, Check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest inside information and analysis on the world of football. Appreciate you joining us. Um, Talk to you um, next time, and be safe out there. And um, we'll uh, talk to you again on the college side as well as the pro football show and the college show tomorrow. Uh, Check out LandryFootball.com. Take care, everybody.